0: It's some um onion Taekwon, powder. onion powder. Why is the why is the water soapy? What did you do? I see a wash the fucking chicken. What is this? Um what you mean? I'm washing. Taekwond, why is it soap in the chicken? I Podcast. this is your host, Mr. Hapidashree, a.k.a. Ayolas White, a.k.a. Taekwon. What's up, y'all? How are y'all doing? I'm so excited to rap with y'all today. I'm not gonna lie, I was on some bullshit today. I'll say that. I will say that with my full testicles. I think that, you know... I mean I shouldn't say that. I'm getting shit done. We plowing through. pause. I guess no, I mean nah, <laughs> let me shut the fuck up. <laughs> now, I already know what kind of pot. Like it's funny, like I never know what, what mood I'm in until I fucking press record. And now I know it's just gonna be stupidity. Great. Um today I wanna talk about work. Whoa, 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 whoa. Send me happy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um no 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 Um Yeah, I wanna do that But I think I'ma talk about something else and then we're gonna get into work Um Alright so Washing motherfucking chicken So I love that clip I opened with that clip because I think it made it just made me laugh. You know I just like I usually just do things that make me laugh but I feel like washing meat... Like, washing meat is a real controversial shit. And it's really divided amongst race. Like, people of color wash like their meat. And white people don't. And then the CDC... I shouldn't say don't. You know, whatever. But the CDC came out... I want to say it was last year or two years ago... Where they were like, y'all don't have... Like, washing chicken... Washing your meat is actually a bad move. Because the bacteria from the raw meat contaminates your sink... Your wherever the fresh rubber, the water that you know touches the raw meat would then bring the bacteria to wherever it's going. So black people got like in our collective feelings about it. Because growing up, all you've seen. So I wanted to, it's not serious, but I wanna put my like corny ass food protection hat on, which is actually some bullshit. Just just FYI for people that worked in hospitality, or got their food handlers, or all that, it's some bullshit, um, I will say, though, that it low-key fucked me up, like, I have my food handler, food protection certificate, and now, I low-key, like, it's in my head, and I don't need, like, I don't need that kind of shit, because I'm the kind of person that, if I feel, like, I'm already worried about getting, like, mercury poisoning from shit. Like, I'm already worried about eating some shit that's going to kill me. So, it's like, mm, like, I don't necessarily need to know, like, the conditions that bacteria could grow in in your food. But now that we're here, I figured let me just share a little tea. And by no means, I'm not a health surgeon. I'm not a health person. Like, a, you know, I'm not acting in an official capacity. So if you listen to me and then you die, don't sue. Well, you can sue. Ain't no coin. Ain't no qua. Okay? Ain't no qua over here. Ain't no dollars. Ain't no cents. But um, anyway. So. And I do have a theory, too, that I'm going to share about this. So. Realistically speaking, right, bacteria, there's, like, a danger zone. or Like, the ideal, like, temperature span in which bacteria grow the most effective or the the best, right? And that's 41 degrees to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. If you cook anything where the internal temperature gets above 165 for 15 seconds, you kill bacteria and parasites. So, with that said, right, with that said, rinsing it off with cold water or doing, like, a lime rinse, which is what I've seen. Like, growing up, I saw, like, my grandma do vinegar. I started doing lime. Like, you know, people like my friend's parents doing lime rinse. So, like, I, you know, the acidic rinse. truth be told, yes, like really acidic bacteria cannot grow in acidic environments, right? So doing a rinse like that does prevent additional bacteria from growing while you're in the preparation stage before you're in the cooking stage. So while you're seasoning, marinating, all that shit, this does have value, right? However, it is technically correct, according to CDC and like and New York and all these people, that if you cook your meat correctly, then it will be safe to eat. But here's some things, right? Like, here are some things that I think we should consider. The first one being that I've seen a lot of you motherfuckers cook, okay? And y'all don't be keeping y'all meat under 41 degrees Fahrenheit. And not just, like, y'all. Like, it's hard to do, right? I mean, your refrigerator should be cold as fuck. Mine is super cold. You know, I got one of them old school shits that basically freezes everything. So mine is cold. But if it's not that cold, and then, like, you put a marin You marinated it so it warmed up. And then you put it in some shit that's, like, 45 degrees. Bacteria is growing on that bitch. And yes, in theory, it's, you will kill it, but you never know, right? Like, you actually never know. I mean, I shouldn't say that. You do know, but if you do, if you have practices that, uh, that encourage bacterial growth, I just feel like it's a good precaution to throw some acid on that bitch so that additional bacteria doesn't grow. So... You don't, and like so have like seeing that, I'm like, I would do like some kind of acid rinse. The only thing though is that when you do an acid rinse, you run the risk of changing the texture of the meat. So like when you do like a vinegar wash, if the vin- if it's OD vinegar, like you don't wanna like pickle your chicken, right? Which can happen or like I shouldn't say pickle, but like cure. Which if you OD and go too acidic or whatever, you can't, or for too long, you can't do that. So, you, you do have to be careful about this. But I personally don't feel like, like, I think the CDC jumped out the window by saying that it, it does more harm than good. Because, I mean, you should be sanitizing your, your cooking space, period. Period. You should be sanitizing. You should have some bleach water, uh, you know, and be sanitizing your cooking space. Because, especially in the life of, and you know, Corona. Um, But, like, more interestingly than all this bullshit, because it's not that interesting, when I thought about it, I was like, why are people of color like this? And then I realized that it could just be the historical precedent of not getting good access to fresh meat. Because... It is the case that people of color and any so any kinds of like, you know, ghetto, even like even, you know, there's stories of, you know, in like, you know, not like really post Holocaust, like all the Jewish ghettos having difficulty to get access to like real, like good, like, you know, kosher meats. So in general, like there've been it's been difficult for a certain for minorities to get reliable access to commercially, like, you know, safe meat. And I think that that precedent, particularly, like, even if you go back to, like, slave, or, like, post-slave types, like, tripe and chitlin, like, this kind of thing that we were eating, or still eat, but that we had to eat with, uh, with... With not as as an advance of like technical or scientific knowledge, like we were cleaning everything because we kind of had to, and obviously we knew to cook things, but I think that fear of being unable—I think people don't understand the history of people of color are just minority groups not having access to food. Like, food deserts are not just a new thing, and not even just a food desert, but the food that you have access to being bad. Like, it being difficult to get fresh fish, it being difficult to get fresh meat. And if you get fish that's not fresh... Like, if you get some tuna that is not fresh, like, you... Mercury doesn't have, like, a smell. Like, or not mercury. It's the, uh, what's that? Like, the histamine poisoning. Like, that shit doesn't have a smell. Like, you will be out here with uh, an excess of histamine in your blood and, like, have a heart attack. Like, you know, it's not a game. And a lot of people in these communities, like I always look I always love going grocery shopping with my elders cause you watch them be so discerning about what produce they choose because they know they, they had to be. Not just for like, you know, freshness or like you know just a increased like culinary experience, but literally because you could select something That would kill your family. And there would be no recourse for you. Like it's really difficult to litigate. Or maybe not kill. But injure your family. Very difficult to litigate. If you have no money. You're black. You have no nothing. But even if you did have resources. Like you ate the food already. So it's eaten. Like you know it's just a difficult thing to do. Particularly when we're talking. In the era that we're talking about. So I think like the wash meat thing. Is trauma. I mean, I still do it just, you know... I don't eat meat, so I mean... But when I do prepare meat, like, I do uh, clean it. But I think more than clean it, I make sure I'm keeping it really cold and fresh. Like, I don't let it get... I mean, I am crazy about that shit. I run home. Because that, to me, is like the most, you know, damaging thing. The most... like That and once you've been reheating food, like, if you don't reheat it, if you don't, like, hot hold it or reheat it to a hot enough heat, like, that shit, you're just, like, giving bacteria, like, energy to grow. That shit is disgusting. Um, So, now that I've wasted time talking about washing me. I just wanted to comment, though, on just, like, I think people don't understand, like, how pervasive, like, people were really unable to, like, actually feed their families. Like, not metaphorically. Like, people were having to be creative about, like, making sure the meat that they fed their kids didn't kill them. And then every time, like, I hear white people talk about that, like, black people, like, cleaning their meat, I'm like, you don't have this because of privilege right or like or the white people that do clean their meat like also have the trauma of being poor like you the reason that you don't do it is because of what we- like wealth and race privilege like you don't see that so going straight into work because i have wasted time um so there's a lot to get to i'ma try not to ramble even though i'm in a rambling ass motherfucking mood I'm also gonna try to like speak emotionally and not too much in theory. So I've been reflecting on oh shit, you know what I meant to do? Let me see if I can do this quick. For the table tan. Really gonna try to sue my black ass. All right. Yes, I meant to do this, but I forgot. So, this episode is gonna be like a combination of a lot of my other episodes. So, the first thing I want to talk about is this like capitalism versus um, industrialism, and I'm not talking about it on the level of theory. I'm not trying to theorize. This is not school. I want to talk about it from how it, the how the words make me feel and the images that come to mind. So like when I hear industrialism or industrialization, the image that comes to mind is like the the, the factory worker that is participating in the mass production of some shit that's trash. Like some not trash, but inexpensive, some inexpensive widget. And I see this person, you know, going continuously, developing the skill of being able to do it, but also, you know, detaching from his or her body in that moment, or like the Buddhist use there, their body in that moment, right, because... The work is so tedious, but you have to be present enough to control your body. You have to be present enough to be motivated to do it. So you have to have a sense of mind like, oh, this is my work. Oh, I got to provide for my family. Oh, I got to provide for myself. You got to be present enough for these things, but you have to be detached enough or dissociated enough to not pursue joy, right? To not pursue your purpose, to not pursue any sense of like vocation or fulfillment through your work. You just find fulfillment in providing for your family. You find fulfillment in providing for yourself, but you don't find fulfillment in the work or you find fulfillment in maybe doing something that the work does but that repetitive that like in order to get through the day you kind of have to be a little less present than you would otherwise be if you were doing something that you actually gave a fuck about so I have this like me mugged robotic mad but maybe not mad but just like girl when 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 let me punch out i have that image in my head and you know i think about that dissociation so when i say dissociation i mean like that leaving your body and leaving your space like leaving your body like leaving your awareness or dulling your awareness and i think about people like You know, giving up on the thing, concepts like joy and purpose. And not to judge escapism for its own shit. Like, I'm not going to sit here and talk about drugs and all of that. Or fantasy or all the versions of escapism that I think we all participate in in one way or the other. My issue with dissociation in this way is that it's for the profit of other people. It's not for whimsy. It's not for play. It's not for, you know, some bullshit that you like. It's for the profit of other people. Specifically, people that are not sharing that profit with you. You know, you don't have equity in this. You are just You are paid your salary, you're paid your wage, you're owed that. But you don't have equity in the company. These people are extracting extreme profits. And they need you to be a cog. They need you to be present enough to do the work, but not present enough to want what they have for yourself. Not present enough to... Asked to share in the profits. Not present enough to ask the question. What is your purpose? How you get joy? You know. What does fulfillment look like? What could your vocation be? Like the system. Is, is strategically. Positioning you. To be. Dissociated from yourself. To lose the language. Of your internal reality to you know become illiterate in your natural tongue or to need a tour guide to need to pay somebody else to be a tour guide of your internal world right through self-help through the wellness industry through whatever it creates now another industry from which they are able to profit right And, you know, I've spoken about capitalism, I think, before. There's an episode. And, you know, honestly, I think that's a weakness in my own, like, theory, right? Like, I don't really claim to be... I think that I could actually be better at, you know, really attacking capitalism as a theory, but... There's an episode that I published August 4th called um, Representation Plus Capitalism Equals Exploitation. And I like briefly talked about what I think about capitalism there. But in the context of this conversation... Again, like, I want to avoid theory. I do. I want. I don't want it to be, like, a theoretical conversation. But I think a myth of capitalism is that the markets are an aggregate of everybody's self-interest. So, like, you know, it costs this much because niggas like it. And it costs this much because that's how, you know. And, it's, and there's this much of it in the market because it costs X amount to create it. You know, and there's X amount of people making it. Like, all of that conversation... um is, to me, intellectually bullshit, because going back to what I said about, like, strategic, if there's an investment in me being detached from self... If I am detached from self as part of a cognitive system, how can I know my self-interest? How can I act in my self-interest? How can I know my self-interest well enough to even act and act in it, right? Like, I can't... I. I it doesn't even make sense to speak about self-interest when I have a tenuous relationship with self, Um And the only thing that really seems to be obviously in my self-interest is to be better, is to improve my relationship with self. Like, nothing else actually, in that condition of not being, you know, fluent and not being literate in my own language, it seems to me that the only thing I should be learning is my own language, right? I mean, I don't know. And I talk about this dissociation from joy, this inability to answer what makes me happy, what I want, like, you know, and very, very early in the pod. So that's why I said this episode is going to be like I'm touching on my old episodes because I am going to have to go back and sort of reference them. The first time I discussed this was last year July 23rd um the episode was called Crisis of Desire that one when I talk about like not knowing what we want and then there is an episode later that year August 27th that I talked called A Lot of People Are Sad talking about like the pursuit of joy and I think in this way you know capitalism slash, like, the work, like, the industrial complex (laughs) relies on our distance from these questions. And then you even, you know, patriarchy. And not to say that Patriarchy comes after this, right? That's not really the case. I mean, like, the way, like, patriarchy combines with this work, capitalists, like, the complex, the way it does so, there are many ways. I'm only going to talk about this one. A couple of episodes ago, let's see when. Like, this one, I don't remember what it was called. I'm, I'm going, I'm doing this exercise really for myself because I feel like I want to have an inventory on what the fuck I've said. Like, I feel like I've said so much. (laughs) Um, What was that episode called? I think it was called... um, Was it Oppression Olympics? I don't think so. But there's an episode that I talked about, like, gender. Like, masculinity and femininity. And I offered a substitution or like a new language for for that, for that dichotomy. So I talked about just the economy of giving, taking, and making and how I think that exists and we all have the capacities for for it, for all three, but that there are the gendered archetypes I think neatly map on the roles in this economy. So what I mean by that, is like masculine folks do you prioritize their own creative capacities, the generosity, the broad generosity, and prioritize taking. And the aesthetic is built around the aesthetic, uplifts taking the purposiveness, so like the role that we give them. Um, is a taking-ass role. What we find to be sexy are men that know how to take. You know, um, what we lift up as powerful is a man that can take. Um, you know, the the creative, sensitive man, particularly as a child, is, you know, feminized. And the man who is sensitive in this way needs to have in a very... An aesthetic that is takey. An energy that is takey. In order to still be considered masculine. Um, and it's appropriate to be giving. To be generous in certain contexts. Really in the context of family. Maybe in the context of friends. But beyond that. You know chivalry is... Chivalry, the 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 blend of chivalry and generosity, is really reserved for, you know, sexual conquest, kids, and maybe your homies. That's it. You know, if it doesn't have if it doesn't have a purpose, like tax write offs, like or not even just that, like that. You know, it it, it there it becomes really problematized. Outside of those contexts, and in that episode, I talk about how the masculine, because masculine, the masculine archetype um, relies on taking a lot of masculine folks, and you know, generally speaking, folks that are disconnected from their own creative capacities. Those who doubt their capacity to make, and not just to make, right? But we're going to get into that in a moment. But those that really are disconnected with our own capacities to create and to give generously tend to have an insecurity like, shit, then what do I bring to the table? What do I have to offer? I need to know that I am contributing because I am constantly insecure that I'm not, because I do not I do not take it for granted that I am enough, that I just moving in my dignity creates opportunity. And I think the feminine archetype, you know, the the sacred woman, when we think about the goddess or we think about just a sacred woman, a queen, that archetype, you know takes that for granted, that her and her femininity, you know, is enough, that she is endlessly, you know, generative, even outside of the role of having kids, just who, just in her majesty, she creates life, light opportunity, and I don't think that exists in in the same way, when you try to reduce everything to a gendered, you know, on a gendered level. I say all that to say, is that work in capitalism and in industry, the the complex, benefits from you not believing you have internal worth. It benefits from you not believing that you have something to offer intrinsically, that your talent intrinsically contributes to the collective well-being. So because you don't know that... You look for something else to validate your worth. You look for something else that to validate your contribution. And money does that for you. The money does that for you. The submission to an institution. To, you know, saying, here I am with my talents. Exploit me, please, of my talents. And pay me. Pay me. Um, a measly, something measly in comparison to what you pay yourself. Pay me and something, pay me something measly in comparison to what you want for your kids, the life that you are able to provide for your kids. But please exploit me anyway. You know, and explain me so that I can feel like I am being used, that I can feel like I have something to offer, so that I can feel like in my world, I am taking the capital from, you know, the fruits of my having been exploited, and I'm able to build something in my home, in my family, in the, in, in the context of my four walls, because I am not able to realize this outside of that context. So you think about that and how I am now prioritizing the business, the industry, over the business of my goddamn self. You know, the business of me. And I don't mean like exploiting me to generate revenue. I mean, knowing my mission, knowing what the fuck I'm doing here. Like literally minding my, my business. What am I doing? What are my things? What am my like what's my okay, like what my shit? What am I doing? Because I focus on making other people rich, because I'm focused on making other niggas money. I don't now my own my self-worth or my shit, I don't have a grasp on. I have deprioritized the business of self. I've deprioritized the business of creation for my sake. You know, and this is a tangent, but there are so many. And obviously, when I say this, I talk about black, black. I mean, it applies to a lot of people, but you know, my, you know how I am black. Even though, you know, shout out to the girls. We love everybody. You know, there's so many amazing... It's like you hear this all the time in music or in sports or in, you know, whatever. The story of the amazingly talented so-and-so that, you know... I think you hear it less in sports because contracts are so... Because sports contracts are... uh, The terms are more well-known. Um... It's a little less common, but you still hear it a lot You're in music or, like, in certain, like, moral clauses or behavior clauses that exist in some athletic sports contracts where it's, like, or, like, you know, deferred bonus or whatever, performance-linked, you know, pay, um, where these amazingly talented black athletes are taking for a, taking for a ride all because there was not that sense of knowing your worth at the beginning and like and this is we're going to go into the security bit in a moment that sense of knowing your worth isn't there um, that sense of valuing your ability to create or, or perform isn't there and you volunteer not as tribute I was going to say but volunteers to be exploited um And, like, only after you are exploited do you realize, wait a minute, wait a fucking minute, wait. These, they, they got me. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of that, you know, has to do with this. So then, we jump to something that I personally struggle with, I would say the most out of everything on this list, is an addiction to security, right? Right? A lot of people, and I wrote this, but I don't know if I'm going to read it. But I do want to kind of include everything. I can only speak for myself. And I can speak about, you know, anecdotally for people that I know well. People who grew up poor. Or people who have trauma from, from poverty. Trauma from being othered. Trauma from being raised with like sick parents or you know p- uh, parents with disabilities that may- that cannot afford to get the help that they needed parents that are you know were treated as other for specifically for being foreign, people that have witnessed extreme you know racialized gem- gender like domestic violence or what have you people that grew up in the hood. Either actualhood, hood, need, or cling, or aspire to security. You know, there's an addiction to security. There is a, 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 a whole, I need security, right? And I know for me, that's always been one of, that's always been my biggest thing is that I've used, I talk, I was talking to a friend recently, and I was like, I used my faith on survival. I didn't find, you know, I had faith. I had hope. But I used it on just the, the measures of surviving, not on, you know, higher, like, lofty, like ooh, bitch! I'ma be a you know movie star or like a, a, the president or some bullshit. I used it on. I wanna. I want an apartment. You know, I. I mean, or not that. I wanna be able to take care of myself. That is what it meant to be good. Is to be supposed to be self sufficient, and maybe be able to help family. And that's it. I used my faith on that. And it's like I didn't, I became very risk-averse. Very, very risk-averse because of that. Because of the trauma and not having healed from it. And the truth is, you know, the truth, and this is a this is a spiritual bend, but the truth is you have to have faith. You have to take your survival for as a given your your survival your ability your endurance as a given and if you are not to survive you have to take it as your fate and then you need to move on and go after what the fuck you want and you have to go after and and find out what the fuck you want um and not be so worried about security but it's really hard when you have the trauma. It's really hard. I mean, I know a lot of people that are like you know children of immigrants, they family been telling them their whole life to go to college and to and to get a good job, okay <laughs> And like you know, I mean, my grandmother all she want all she wanted to do was talk to me about a damn job is a job a job? am I working? Am I saving? Are there, you know, are, is there a 401k? Is there a retirement? Like, that's what she want to know. She want to know if I'm vested. <laughs> she know all this other shit. It's cute that you talk into a microphone. It's cute that you can sing, you write your music. I support you. But with the vesting schedule, okay? <laughs> um... And that's just, how, that's just how it is for, you know, generations and, and certain people. But, you know, the thing about what this security does, or this addiction to security, what it does, is that it creates this sense, and I'm talking again for black, I'm talking again, this is anecdotal, like I said, for myself and my people that I personally know. We become masters of rules masters of them. We know the rules of the game, we know the rules of the system, we know the rules. Even if we choose to break them, we know them. So we become great at analysis, great at figuring out what is wrong, what we shouldn't do, what shouldn't be done. We become great at theorizing solutions. You know, how in theory could this be resolved? What our idea is? Some of us become good at research. Some of us become... But but the early stages of that academic or quasi-academic state, you know, are marked with repackaging knowledge and making it seem like it's new versus actual knowledge, new knowledge generation, right? Because a lot of people don't go there, go for that real... Knowledge generation until they have tenure because of security. So meanwhile, you got to teach these motherfucking kids and do your best to push the envelope within the confines of a of, of, of present academia. So you have acad- you have academics. You have analysts, you have amazing analytical ability, but not niggas actually creating new shit. Not actually and not many people that are willing to apply that to execute their own vision. So then you start to have a lot of people that are resentful because they feel like I'm expert level in terms of analysis. I you are exploiting my talent. But in theory, I should be able to do this at least as well, if not better than you. Especially the more experience you get. The higher up you go in an analytical role, you start to become, you know, strategy. You have to become like strategists or like strategy consultants or, you know, manager or, or whatever. Then you're like, then you start to meet the CEOs. You start to be in the same room as division heads or entrepreneurs and then you're like, but I love, I mean, I respect your hustle, but I don't what is special about you is the hustle, is the willing is the faith, the willingness to invest everything you are into this project. It is the 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 fact that you either have secured you have a sense of security that is inherited through privilege or you just don't rude, give a fuck about security. Um, but it's more likely the former, for you know. And that you don't actually have anything that special. You know, like, not that, not to, I mean, I have a lot of respect for entrepreneurs. So I'm not trying to shit on it. But, you know, I, I, I think that it's true that we could all be entrepreneurs. And that it's okay, that it, it, it's not a crazy idea to, to suppose that we could all be entrepreneurs. Um, so I bring all this up to say, let me see, did I, did I touch that? Yeah, I touched that. All right, so then now you have a whole bunch of people that can tell you what's wrong with the system, theorize solutions, but dare not to make something of their own. Dare not to fix it, you know, because of trauma, like I said. So bring all of this, bring addiction to security because of trauma, bring patriarchy of, you know, the patriarchal sort of insecurity of masculinity and all people detached from their creative selves and, you know, looking for work to validate them, work and money. Then you have the whole concept of like being dissociated from joy and self. So bring all of that into the last point. The last point is well, all of that combines to the concept of family, right? Because you have gender dissociation, you have trauma, security, all these things are manifest in family and like emotionally what I want to say here and this is not like an intellectual last thing this is how I feel Well, what what I'm wrestling with is and there are people that have said something like this like I think Foucault has a you know I forgot which part of history of sexuality but he does talk about uh, like the, the, the sort of industrial ordering of sex and like family but a lot of the beliefs or rules around family just are just like, I don't know, I don't want to say this, but I worry that it's just ways to create more workers, right? Like, a lot of the the rules behind like when you should have kids or like how important reproduction is, like, I think it's just making more workers or re-motivating current workers, right? Strengthening the motivations of current employees by, you know, making them have to take care of a child or a spouse or whatever. It's like, I right here Sometimes I feel the call to create life even beyond biology, like what we understand as biological, is a is capitalist propaganda to create more workers, to further motivate current workers by raising the stake of work itself, i.e., feeding one feeding one's child. And I think about like how many people have had dreams. And because they had a child, could not pursue it. Or, not even could not, but chose not. Right? Or chose the more stable job. Or chose not to quit a job. Because of the promise of family. You know, or how many people have had, you know, you had some creative, you know, ambition and then fell in love. And then the capitalist propaganda, the generational trauma, the the needing to feel like you're contributing, that you bring something to the table, the 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 feeling of joy for the first time because you're so used to not having it. All these things converge. And make you feel like the right thing to do now with this love is to create a family. There's their entire industries around just making you feel like you need to have a baby by a certain motherfucking age. Or, this is, or not even just have a baby by a certain age, but the culmination of love is family. And the, and the def- definition of family is multiple generations. So having a child like that but that that formulation yes you can make an argument is you know evolutionary biology but i don't know some i think that that plays a part but some of it is like i think that it's just making people making people Making, creating more workers. I don't know. I mean, and not even just workers specifically, but also like, you know, po- a, demo- a, po- a political demographic, like an, like an electoral base. You know, like <laughs> creating more people to advance an interest that often is capitalist, that often is in the name of industry, then profit and value extraction and, you know, all of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I know it's like, it's like a grim, you know, thing to lean on. But I guess, like, I started thinking about the role of sex in this. And I'm going to end on this. Because I see, uh, I started thinking about all sex being sex work. You know, like, the possibility that anytime you are, maybe not all sex, but anytime you have sex in a way, or even engage in it, in a way that makes that has reproductive implications, you know, like, or even in even if you do it consciously in opposition to the the, the reproduction, like you know, if nah I shouldn't say that. If you like reproductive sex Or at least like engaging in it through covert coercion seems like you're just doing it as an agent of capitalism and weird industrial complex, and it does put a special, it does has it does raise interesting questions for like queer or or non. Reproductive sex Like Because what happens is like birth control I mean it's a lot, it's complicated Because there's industry Related to birth control But birth control itself You know has a real Benefit in terms of And I'm not talking about like the pill I'm talking about like having control of when you get pregnant Has obviously real positive health outcomes but then you see that's why certain political parties tend to be against that. It's just it's interesting to raise these questions about reproduction and then the the, poli- the politics of queer sex. Like in this way, you know, anytime you have, I mean, and this I don't know. I was gonna, I was gonna say anytime that you deliberately have sex. Without the without the purpose of reproducing, you're kind of queering sex. That's what I was going to say, but then I chilled out on that because no. But there is it does I guess raise a create an aisle or a lane for sex as a revolution. You know, which does which does harken back to the sixties. Um... But I bring that up just to say that it's funny that people can be critical of sex workers while the strong, one of the strong motivations, the, the, the puppet master, is using sex just for the generation of workers. Like, if anything is reductive... Like, if I had to choose which one is more dehumanizing. Sex work or having kids just for them to be workers. I would I would think it's the latter. I, I would think breeding children just for labor is worse than fucking for coin. Right? I don't know. But I'll leave you guys with that. I'm gonna have dinner. I love y'all. Stay safe. Next week is gonna be a fucking crazy week. The next podcast that I release is gonna be on election day. Everybody that listens to this probably votes. Try to vote early. I'm gonna try to go vote on Thursday and see you know see what the girls are giving. I'm I'm trying to avoid it so I'm not gonna be stressed out about the election. I'm gonna just try to keep it cute. But uh, everybody, please, you know be safe I'm nervous I'm nervous but I love you all and I will see